Hi, besties. It's your favorite fitness mommy, Liz King, back with another episode here at Made For Me Fitness. Babes, if you haven't left a five-star review for this podcast yet, you need to because I am feeling it. Something is in the air. I have a really good feeling that we are growing this podcast and that I'm going to be able to start pumping these out more often very soon. And that is super fucking cool considering this used to be a secret podcast that I never told anyone about because I just come on here to speak my mind and drop some knowledge. But our community and our family is starting to grow and it just feels amazing. So thank you so much. I will not waste any time (laughs) into getting into this one because we all need this. It's going to be a holiday pep talk more than anything, but we all need it. We're in this together (laughs) and we are going to survive this holiday season. I do want to preface this episode because it is all about the approaching holiday season and I don't know what holidays you guys celebrate and which ones you don't, but I'm not here to offend anyone or be politically or religiously incorrect. I am just trying to keep everybody included here no matter who you are or what religion or culture you are from. Everybody is welcome here. So I'm just going to refer to most things as holidays, events, or celebrations unless I'm speaking about my own experience. I personally grew up celebrating Thanksgiving and Christmas and my family and I aren't even religious or serious about any traditions, but that's just how it's been. So when I refer to things, it doesn't necessarily mean I am promoting those holidays in any sense. This is just me talking about my own experience, okay? Cool, moving on. Cool, moving on. Holidays, celebrations, and events can be one of the most stressful moments that someone on their fitness journey can endure, especially if you have the wrong mindset about it. I did an episode about this a year ago, but we all need this reminder, and as a personal trainer, I am always taking on new clients year-round, right? And I speak to so many people that would prefer to start their fitness journey or actually put their entire fitness journey on hold until after the holidays because it can feel so impossible to maintain a good routine throughout all this chaos. However, if that is your mindset going into the holidays, what do you think is going to happen next year? Are you going to put everything on hold for two to three months every year for the rest of your life and get back to it during New Year's when you feel like absolute shit? Already, That's kind of a harsh way to enter or re-enter your fitness journey every year. And it doesn't leave much room for positivity and consistency, in my opinion. So let me make a statement. If you are waiting for the stars to be fully aligned in your life to start or continue your fitness journey, you're going to struggle maintaining a fitness lifestyle and your results long term. Are you going to give up your health and physical fitness every time there's a holiday, a birthday, a vacation, every time you have a weekend bender, every time you get busy at work, every time you get sick? That's not even mentioning the emotional discrepancies that we go through. I cannot mention, I don't don't know of a year of my life that has not involved any or at least some of those things. But that's why this is all practice, okay? The holiday season is the best time of year to practice consistency with your fitness journey because it is possibly the most chaotic for you. And if you can master this, when the stars are aligned for those moments of your life, you are going to be thriving. 
One really important thing I learned in therapy is that you are never going to avoid being triggered or upset by something your entire life, right? Most triggers, as long as you are safe, are opportunities to practice managing yourself and your emotions through them, right? Without being able to practice, you will never learn how to get through them. And even though it's scary, we got to do it. (laughs) And one day you'll be able to get through it almost seamlessly. And holidays are all sorts of triggering for countless reasons and provide excellent roadblocks for you to practice getting through on your fitness journey. Okay, this is not something to be worried about, besties. This is an opportunity. So let's address the bigger picture stressor that the holidays provide. Disrupting the normal routine. If you listened to one of my past episodes, How to Build the Perfect Fitness Routine, you may have an idea as to what I'm going to say about this. Your routine is only as good as it is flexible. You cannot expect to maintain your normal daily routine when you're not currently in that environment or situation. So especially for my besties who travel for the holidays, Life is going to look very different from your normal everyday today, right? Or maybe if travel isn't a part of your plans, you may end up filling your time with other things such as preparing for the holidays or managing something. Who who fucking knows? It could be anything. In those moments, your life circumstances have changed, which means your routine is going to have to change for you to be able to maintain it. For example, I have to travel back to Connecticut where my family lives for all of my holidays. (laughs) This is back to where I grew up and lived most of my life. I know that I have a gym there. It's the gym I used to work at for eight years. Typically when I go back, I will just buy a week pass for the time that I am visiting. I already know this gym inside and out. I also have weights at my parents' house. I also have weights at my sister's house for quick home workouts if I wanted to do that instead. Now, I know many of you might not have those systems in place yet. I do because I'm a veteran. (laughs) I've been doing this for a long time. Your girl has had years of practice and years to figure out what works for her and what doesn't. And more importantly, I've learned how to go with the flow, which is a big part of it. It wasn't always like that. I've gone from being the holiday binge eater and throwing my entire routine out the window during this time period to the holiday health nut who counted her calories, steps, hard workouts, and every ounce of water weight that I gained or lost throughout the whole thing. And both of them left me feeling pretty fucking awful about myself. Not because I did the wrong things, but because I took what was supposed to be an occasion and an opportunity to experience joy, mindfulness, and to take in the experience... And I turned it into something ridiculously stressful for no reason. (laughs) And look, I get it. Based on your family relationships and situations, the holidays may be all sorts of stressful and terrible anyways, but you might not be able to control those outcomes. You can only control what you do and how you manage all of that while prioritizing these new core values of the fitness lifestyle that you're trying to build for yourself. I know when I visit home, I might not be able to work out the same way I did normally. That's okay. Odds are you won't be able to either. That's okay. You don't need to work out the same way you normally would. You don't need to do harder workouts or tons of cardio or anything to prepare or 
make up for the influx of food coming your way either. All you need to consider is how your workouts make you feel and how getting in some form of movement might benefit you during these times. If I'm working out while I'm visiting home, I'm mainly trying to keep myself fucking sane. I'm not trying to make tons of progress with my overall goal. I feel better when I work out. I act better when I work out. I believe I'm a better person when I work out. And working out helps keep my mind clear and focused. And I feel strong and good. And I know that maintaining that is going to help me feel better overall. But I also know that if I want to, taking a full week off and just chilling is fine. Nothing is going to happen from it. It's really not. So when the holidays come around, it's not about maintaining the perfect routine. It's about not abandoning movement and your other values around and habits around food as a part of your self-care routine. Even if you're out walking every day for 30 minutes, you're going to feel so much better. And then when you get back to the regular routine, it's going to be so much easier to tap back into it. For the people who don't travel at all, you could potentially maintain your regular routine. You're still going to have a similar mindset about everything, but if you can maintain your routine, do it. Depending on your culture and holiday, it might only be one day of celebration, which means that you only have to be out of the routine for one day. Maybe a bit longer if you're helping prepare for it, but it really shouldn't take you so far out of your regular lifestyle that you wouldn't be able to get in even 15 or 20 minutes of a workout on your less busier days. Ultimately, it's up to you to decide what is possible and what is not for you. And that might vary from year to year, which is also okay. I coach my clients through the holidays and sometimes they keep it pushing through and are able to come out on the other side feeling really good about maintaining the routine without being obsessive or consumed by it. And other times they say, you know what, Liz, I would love to tell you that I was capable of getting in a single workout, but there was not a second of my mind that wasn't filled with something that didn't require my full attention. Fine. I've heard it all. Your time, especially around holidays, can get soaked up very quickly. But you know what? Shit happens. And as long as you get back to the routine as soon as possible, you're good. There is no reason to feel shame or guilt for not doing anything, whether it was out of your control or not. Most of how well you do with your fitness journey comes after the holidays. How you recover, which I will probably make another episode on because you aren't going to remember a damn thing after these holidays. <laughs> Come and go. You're going to be in recovery mode and I'll make a separate podcast for that one, okay? The best way you could ever recover from a holiday celebration or event is to allow yourself to get back into your routine as quickly as possibly, but also as positively as possible, which means you're not doing it to make up for time that you lost. You're not doing it to burn all the calories you ate. You're not doing it as any form of punishment. You're doing it because you know as soon as you do it, you're just going to feel so much better. And being in back in that normal routine is going to give you an amazing peace of mind and sense of accomplishment. And that's all. I'm going to give you some ideas on how to incorporate some movement just so that you can start planning if you need to. You can always do a home workout. You can always do a walk. Hell, get your family involved too. Some families can be all judgmental about working out around the holidays. I don't know why. And here's a big tip. Dance workout videos. 
Have you ever done a dance workout video with your family or friends? It's fucking hilarious, and it's the most fun you'll ever have. Even if no one joins with you, the act of you doing a solo dance workout video in your living room around the holidays is going to bring such a pure and joyous moment for everyone around you. Your parents, your siblings, your kids, even if they aren't interested, are going to get some sort of positive surge of energy from you. Just wiggling around doing some crazy dance video. It's also a really good way to connect with your inner child and can even turn into a new tradition that you start and will make movement a positive part of everybody's holidays. I know that that is a stretch to think that that would happen because that's sort of a perfect world scenario, but if you do need to get out of the house, again, always walking or You can grab a week pass to the nearest gym. You can go there, walk on the treadmill if it's cold as hell where you live. Anything. If you're very out of your element, there are so many things that you can do. Even even 15-minute ab workouts that you find on YouTube on the floor of your bedroom. It doesn't really matter as long as you're getting some sort of movement in. Your results and your progress isn't going to be reflected from that. If you did this all the time, yes, that may reflect eventually. However, just for this time and getting through the week of festivities or however long it takes, you can manage and incorporate it in whichever way you want. Now, here is the harder part. Getting in movement is actually fairly easy (laughs) compared to this part. This is the hard part. How to handle food and eating during the holidays while you're on your fitness journey. Here is your one and only rule. Enjoy it. Learn how to enjoy it. If it is not going to bring you joy and make you feel good, don't do it. The holidays that surround food can promote a lot of bingey behaviors. Because on a day-to-day basis, we are generally trying to eat healthier and more balanced, right? Especially if we have a fitness goal. If you've been restrictive about it, the holiday may present itself to you as the only time you're going to be able to enjoy the food that is being made, the desserts and everything in between. But in reality, it's not. I don't believe in cheat meals or cheat days because all food is neutral. There are no morals attached to food, unless that's a practice in your religion. But I don't know. I don't make those rules. You are allowed to eat whatever you want whenever you want. Yes, even on your fitness journey, even if you're trying to lose weight too. The only difference between different foods is nutritional value and how it makes you feel. If you listen to my other podcast, Breaking the Binge, (laughs) it will help you massively around the holidays if you are someone who has treated the holidays sort of like a free binge pass (laughs) in the past, okay? Now I'm going to let you in on a little secret. You can eat holiday food any time of the year. Crazy, right? There is nothing stopping you from having a roast dinner at any time during the other 364 days of the year. You can buy yourself a box of chocolates whenever you want. You can make festive cookies whenever. You can buy yourself a cake and print your face on it. You can make a green bean casserole and enjoy it on a fucking Tuesday afternoon in the middle of June. If you want, there's nothing stopping you from doing that. So the ideology of, oh, it's the only time that I'm allowed to eat all of this food. 
I'm just obsessed with this food. It's the only time of year I'm going to be able to eat this. That mentality is going to cause your brain to turn even the nastiest of holiday dishes into a high ticket item. And everything in our beings will want us to eat as much of it as possible. Because that is scarcity and survival mentality. If you ate Thanksgiving food every week, you wouldn't care at all. If you allowed yourself to indulge in things that you like without guilt or shame and keeping it all balanced, you wouldn't care at all because it's not a big difference. It's like not a big event. So it's not a big deal to you. And a really big driving factor behind that mentality is the fear of gaining weight or losing fitness progress, which in turn makes it even more of a forbidden fruit too. It's a recipe for disaster. <laughs> You'll be eating shit you don't even like because you're telling yourself you're not allowed to have it because it's going to do all these terrible things to you. But there's nothing wrong with you. I don't think anybody realizes how natural that is. Humans and animals are designed to do that to survive. It's a process that keeps you alive because if you were in the wild trying to survive, you'd be eating bugs. And your brain would tell you that you like eating bugs because you're telling it that there's no other food source around. Which is what happens when we are on restrictive diets as well. Our brain is telling our body no more food. The body tells the brain, get fucked, mate. Make it happen. Because we need this to keep this heart pumping. So your brain gets overridden by chemicals <laughs> that make it feel impossible to stop eating. So when it feels very out of control around these moments, it's not up to you or your brain. Your rational thinking, your desires, it's not up to that at all. It is your body's survival mechanism. And we are actually so blessed to have it, even though it can feel like a bit of a war sometimes. If you were constantly fueling your body with nutritious foods and allowing yourself to stay balanced and eat what you want, those highs and lows become way less high and way less low because it becomes much more manageable to make the right decision for yourself based off of how you feel and what you even fucking like. The only thing that matters during this time is how the food makes you feel. And in terms of fitness, how fast you get back on track after the fact. A single day holiday can easily be dragged out over weeks if you have the right, if you have that mentality. When in reality, you can still enjoy the holiday, even enjoy leftovers without turning it into a spiral of shame and all or nothing thinking that's going to prevent you from getting back on track to your workouts and normal meal prepping schedule. You're not going to ruin all of your fitness progress from eating some extra mashed potatoes once, even three times, even five times. What will ruin your progress is stressing yourself out about it the whole way through so that you end up acting crazy and overeating so much day after day and then shaming yourself into being ultra restrictive and then working out super hard and creating a really harsh pendulum swing that's going to destroy your mentality. That's what gets us into that all or nothing. We overdo it for a little bit for whatever reason. We tell ourselves it's not normal. It's not okay. You're going to ruin all of your hard work. We go in the opposite direction, way in the opposite direction, force ourselves through super hard workouts, force ourselves through restrictive diets, and then we swing back, okay? So the harder you pull in one direction, 
the harder you're going to launch in the other direction, okay? I like to call it rubber banding as well. You pull the rubber band, the further you pull it back, the further it's going to go in the opposite direction. So what we need to do is not create the tension that's going to launch us back the other direction. It's okay to overeat during holidays. It's okay to give up your routine for a few days or a week or whatever. That is okay. The only thing that makes a difference is when you overcomplicate it and you let all of these emotions and fears make the decisions for you about what is going to be best for your body when in reality the best thing that you can do is just get back into your routine. Meal prep, start working out again. You don't have to do anything harder. You don't have, you know if you took some time off, you can start slow and build back up just like how I was I was saying in the perfect fitness routine. That's it. That's what makes the difference between people who are successful with fitness and people who aren't. Now, this rule goes for everyone. Don't fucking weigh yourself or any of that shit the weekend after the holiday. Stop that. For some reason, whenever we feel like we are out of the routine, our first reaction is to make ourselves feel as shitty as absolute possible about it. Stop. Stop that. I see this happen every year. What are you doing? You're obviously not going to see fitness progress a few days after eating completely different foods that you never fucking eat and that your bodies aren't used to. Foods that are filled with salt, which means you're going to be hanging on to more water, which is fine. That's literally water. Your body's supposed to do that. And if you've been out of your routine... Why in the fuck are you deciding to look for results right now? You, you know that's not going to help you, yet you still do it because you are trying to shame yourself into being motivated to get back on track, which we all know by now never works. And if it does work, it doesn't work for very long. No one is allowed to check, okay? Promise me now. Don't fucking check. No one's allowed to check or even give a fuck about fitness progress for at least two weeks after a holiday. That's the rule. Okay? Got it? And if you catch yourself starting to get into your little feelers because you're nervous that you lost progress or gained weight or you feel guilty or feel kind of bloated and funky and you're like, you know what would make me feel worse right now? Checking my fitness progress. Don't do it. Don't do it. The only thing that you're going to focus on is jumping back into your routine in a very positive and enlightening way. You're going to meal prep on Sunday before your week starts, just like normal. You're going to show up to the gym, just like normal. And you're going to work out the normal amount of days. You're going to eat the normal amount of meals that you, <laughs> that you do. And boom, you're back on track, baby. And you are going to be back to normal soon. That's the only goal. That is it. So focus less on making decisions around the holidays based off of fear that something bad is going to happen to you or your fitness prog progress. Like, stop. Because that is the same thing that's perpetuating the behavior 
that is going to cause you to do something that might fuck it up. But even then, it's fine. Literally, the only way to solve any of these problems is just getting back into the routine. Meal prepping, starting your normal workouts again, drinking a lot of water. That's it. Now, the holidays seem to bring forward a couple of other challenges. And some of you have reached out to me asking how to handle this. So I am going to use this time to shed some light on the situation and what has worked for me in the past. How do we deal with family members making strange or snide comments about food and our bodies? <laughs> Oof, I, I know we've all just been reminded of something or someone, right? I, I, it's a pretty universal experience. <laughs> Maybe you've even been the one to do it. I'm sure I've said some weird shit to my family members back in the day. The thing is, it doesn't even have to be shameful or derogatory, but I have realized that any and all body or food comments are unnecessary to make to other people, even if it's coming from a good place, right? So we might say things like, oh my gosh, Janet, you've lost so much weight. (sighs) No, we think it's a good thing. It might be a good thing for them, but taking someone's focus from just enjoying an experience and being mindful about holiday and enjoying food and whatever and and bringing their focus towards their body, it's just, it's giving icky, it just gives me icky vibes. I just, I don't think, I just don't think it's necessary. It's never necessary. So when dealing with family members, especially older family members, We have to practice a little bit of gentle parenting as we get through this. You have to remember that you are trying to set this boundary for yourself. And by setting this boundary, you're actually disrupting however many years, probably even generations of your family that thinks a different way from you and has made these comments their entire lives and so on and so forth. So you're also disrupting how other people think and talk about you and themselves and other people, which is why it gets so personal and everybody gets so defensive over this rule. (laughs) For example, say your aunt is always making food comments. She is more likely going to mention something about herself, especially if she's making these comments in a derogatory manner like, Oh, like you're getting another like you're getting another plate or oh, aren't you full? Like I'd be so full or I'm eating this. She will probably be speaking about herself as well as in like, oh, I shouldn't be having these mashed potatoes like I'm on a diet or you know, this is going to make me gain weight or this is it might it might have some undertones she might be giving some undertones of things that she actually thinks about herself but I fucking guarantee she is going to say something or make a comment about herself at some point during the night all you need to do is listen I am a big behavioral observer partially because I have social anxiety and ADHD and it takes me a while to sync up with other people's energies so I can learn about them and match them I promise you guys, this isn't like some mastermind shit. I've just always done this and everybody thinks I'm a bitch when they first meet me because I'm really quiet at first. 
But pay attention to when other people speak poorly about themselves and are making food comments, body comments about themselves or other people. It is a very natural thing. Everyone can relate to it, right? If one person is in a group and says, oh, I hate my arms, the rest of the group will chime in and offer something that they hate about themselves. In a way, it's to be more relatable and intended to comfort the person as in, hey, we all have insecurities. I hate this too. However, when has that ever been comforting? When has that ever been productive? If you say to your friend, oh my God, I hate how around my face is in this picture and they rebuttal with, oh my God, no, it's not. But look at me, my legs look gross. What? What the fuck is that doing to anybody? Even if they're, you know, it's any comment, even the, the, the comment about how you hate how round your face looks in this picture, that comment is just triggering other comments and opening the door for you to continue to speak about yourself in that way and for the people around you to speak about you and themselves in that way. It's not doing anything productive for anybody and it's just reinforcing how you feel about yourself in your brain. We have to start changing our language because using that language breeds more insecurity and more negative thought patterns. Your brain does not know what is real or not. If you're constantly telling yourself that you have legs that you hate, you're gonna hate your legs. Your brain is like that, all right? Because as humans, we are always thinking of things that are good versus bad what we like and what we don't like. That's how we survive in the wild. <laughs> Surviving in the wild again, it all comes down to behavioral patterns. You come across a rotting apple in the wild, you make that assessment. Is this good or bad? Am I eating this or not? Your brain picks it up as being bad because you got sick last time you ate that rotting apple, right? So you're not going to go for that apple. You're going to think that that is a bad rotting apple. So if you're telling yourself your legs suck or are bad, nothing in your brain is going to fight that. It's going to be like, oh, word. Yeah, you're right. Fuck those legs. Hey, I hate them. I hate them. They're bad. Why do you think it's so easy to believe negative things over positive things? And that goes about anything in life. It's survival in a sense, but we've just been taken so far away from caring about survival that we do it about everything else in the world. Your brain loves negative shit. It's designed that way to keep you safe and alive. It's the same thing that tells us to avoid walking past the dark alleyway on your way home. It might not be anything bad, right? But it could also be something fucking terrible. It could be very bad. You don't know for sure. Your brain does not know. But for whatever reason, we've told ourselves and our brain because of a possibility that something might be bad, we might be unsafe if we do that, that it's bad. But we know that maybe a well-lit street with lots of people equals good, equals more safety and security. Dark, sketchy alleyway, bad. Lit street with lots of people, good. At least better, right? Now imagine your entire life you've been told that your weight is bad, your arms are too big, your legs are too big or skinny or whatever. I'm sure you don't even have to imagine it because we all currently live that. <laughs> reality. But imagine that happening tenfold to someone in your family who is older than you. 
or from a different generation. They are seeing these actions as red flags and warning signs for themselves the same way that they would ask you, are you sure you want to the same way that they would ask you, are you sure you want to walk past the dark alleyway is the same way that they're going to ask, are you sure you want another plate of food? Because to them, they've been told that that is maybe gluttonous, that they're going to gain weight, they're going to eat all these things, it's going to be this big, terrible thing for them. They are genuinely worried about that happening to themselves and genuinely worried about that happening to you. Obviously, we know now that gaining weight (laughs) is not the worst fucking thing that could ever happen to you, right? We realize that most of our previous generations are just extremely fat phobic. So to them, it is like a major fucking fear. And you don't have to challenge their internalized fat phobia. Like, you don't have to peel back those layers or really get into it. But I just want you to understand that when people are saying things like that to you and they're doing it in that kind of weird, concerned way, something like that is probably happening within them internally where they are literally trying to protect you from something that they believe is dangerous in a way or is a negative thing in a way because they've believed that their whole life. They were told that eating carbs equals weight gain. They've been shamed their entire life for getting up and getting a second plate. So as hard as it's going to be for you, if you want to change that narrative, not only for your sake, but for everybody else's, you're going to have to go through it gentle parenting style, which means we're not going to get defensive. Again, like I said, you don't have to blow up and start challenging your aunt's internalized fat phobia. Like we don't have to do that. We don't have to raise our voice. (laughs) You always want to try to approach them from a place of empathy and understanding and just don't stop doing that no matter what. I know that takes a lot of willpower and you can practice it, but don't stop doing that because you don't want to let it get to a point of being argumentative more than it is in a a discussion about education or at least just educating them about boundaries that you have set for yourself and for them in your life. So I'm going to drop some golden eggs on how to respond and what you can say so that you can remain assertive and in control of these boundaries because at this point, any food or body comments are just unnecessary. Other than, wow, you're looking so strong, Helen, or wow, this food is so great. Have you tried the mashed potatoes yet? Have you tried this yet? Like, other than things like that, that are just like purely positive, don't. Just don't. I'd say just avoid it as a whole, just to be safe. But all of this is going to start with having a sit down or maybe a family meeting and establishing this boundary. 
Again, most people don't even realize what they're doing and the negative effects that it has on everyone and even themselves. So making them aware of this boundary you would like to establish is key. You have to communicate. You have to tell people. You can't just show up and be like, this is how it is and then just freak out every time somebody says something, okay? I'm a professional at doing that. It's never, it's never done me well. <laughs> it's a bad habit, okay? Especially around family. It's just whatever. I'm defensive. So what you can say, and, and it doesn't have to be a big thing. Again, you don't have to make it a family meeting, but even if you just go and speak to the people that you feel like it matters to most, just have a conversation. It can be as simple as, hey, so I've been thinking about our language surrounding food and our bodies and I feel like we should maybe put a rule in place so that we're not allowed to make any body or food comments in order to keep the holidays joyful for everybody, right? Just explain to them how it's kind of unnecessary and you've realized that it just brings a lot of negativity no matter how it's intended. It just ends up making people hyper aware of their bodies or what they're eating and that is like not what the holidays are about right so it can even be from a place of that where it's just like hey this is like a a rule or a boundary that I I want to put in place and I think it's just going to make everybody have a better time who's going to say no to that right no one's going to fight you on this unless they're just genuinely an asshole no one's going to disagree if someone automatically disagrees that's weird they can ask questions, of course, like, why do you think this is necessary? Or, or why why do you care? Like, what? Some, some people are going to be really caught off guard by that. And that's fine. You can answer questions. Just explain that it's a habit that's proven to not be positive for anybody's mental health and well-being. And you want to keep the holidays really fun. And drawing attention to food or body in any kind of manner is just unhelpful. And you just got to keep repeating that. It's going to feel like a group experiment <laughs> in a sense. And all you have to do is remain calm, repeat your boundary, and keep repeating it until it's received. And this might take years. Okay. And this is why I'm also calling it gentle parenting because you have to pretend like you're teaching a child in a way, not disrespectfully, but just because every time. <laughs> They might say something. It's just a gentle reminder. Hey, that comment crosses my boundary or the rule that we put in place before, just letting you know. And just repeating that again and again and again and again. And what happens is, especially if you say the same exact thing every time, they might start to feel a little silly. And that's not the goal to make them feel silly, but it makes them more aware of how much they actually do it if they do it a lot. And it's also going to make them aware of how much they do it to themselves. So if Aunt Helen or whoever is talking about how much she fucking hates her arms or how her belly's gotten bigger or whatever, say the same thing. Hey, that crosses the boundary of what I was talking about before. I, I don't think that language is very helpful. And she's going to be like, oh shit, yeah, probably not. I'm just being an asshole to myself for no reason. Like, I'm, I'm like, sitting here in front of my family, eating food. Why, why do I care, you know? It, it might, probably won't be received that easily. That's, that's, that's wishful thinking. But for the most part, if you keep correcting people about how they're 
speaking towards or about other people and also correcting them when they're speaking about themselves it like a little switch goes off in their brain and they're like wow this is like this is happening a lot so it's just up to you to remain calm and just keep repeating it and now one more trick if the topic of fitness or diets or anything comes up (laughs) and you've got a family member going on and on about keto or some bullshit it's just something that they're doing and they're saying it's like the best thing ever and how everyone should do it and they try to explain it to you a million different ways and they try to tell you what ketosis is and god forbid you say wow that's interesting but I don't want to do that that actually sounds terrible um but thanks anyways for some reason people get triggered people will get triggered especially family members because you're choosing to do a different diet or workout program from them. Because in a way, they, and we probably do too, everybody has this self-fulfilling prophecy to justify the things that we are doing and why we're doing it, right? But if anybody is getting upset at you for how you're doing things and maybe not receiving what they're saying or just not agreeing with it, What you're going to say is, that's good for you. It sounds like you're very confident with your outlook on this topic. And end it there. (laughs) Ooh, besties. My own fucking boyfriend said that to me the other day. Can you believe that? That's where I got it from. Because I was going off about something that we don't really see eye to eye on. Guys, it's literally so stupid too. It was about health insurance because I've had a bad experience in the past and now I just think it's all a crazy scam, especially for women, but it just grinds my gears and I just get really heated and passionate about it. And he's like, Liz, I hear you. That's valid. I'm so sorry you had a bad experience, but like you still need to pay for health insurance. Like you still need health insurance. If something happens to you, I want you to be taken care of properly. You Like he's amazing, right? Cares about me, wants me to be good. Like if I get fucked up, he wants me to be taken care of, right? I, the topic just triggers me. It just triggers the fuck out of me. Very random. He said that to me. (laughs) But what happens is when you are listening to somebody speaking about something that they're doing and they get to a point where they are trying to push it on you just accepting the knowledge, hearing them respectfully. You don't have to shut it down, even if they're annoying. Like, just just sit it out, whatever. What else are you going to do, right? Sit it out, <laughs> listen to it, and then just say, that is so good for you. I'm so happy that you're confident with your decision. And that's it, okay? For whatever reason, when that was said to me, my soul left my fucking body and I was like I need to use this line when someone else is being oddly combative about something just like I was being (laughs) so try all of this this wonderful holiday season and report back let me know how it goes besties you're gonna do great this holiday season I believe in you and even if it feels like you are struggling through it I want you to re-listen to all of my podcast episodes. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. People, I've gotten 
DMs saying that they do that every time they're spiraling and it helps them a lot. So that's not from my mouth. That's that's advice from the people, okay? Listen to all the podcast episodes or re-listen to a couple or go back in your notes if you've taken any notes about any of my podcasts and just keep reminding yourself. Changing your mentality about these kinds of things is really, really difficult, but the fact that you're even thinking about it differently and practicing it as a new way of doing things in order to better your life and incorporate fitness as a positive and sustainable part of your lifestyle is so amazing. You don't know how amazing that is. That's a big step. This shit takes practice and it might not happen right away, but being able to move forward with positive reinsurance, reminding yourself and just keep keep checking yourself, keep yourself in check. If you start feeling any sort of way about food or movement or anything that is just not positive and is not moving towards your goal of just maintaining or continuing the routine, you don't need it. Throw it in the trash. It's wasted energy. It's wasted emotions when you could actually be enjoying your time. And that is all for today, folks. I hope this helped you in some way, shape, or form. I think this is going to be a little bit of a short one, but again, this is just a pep talk. I've done episodes about this in the past. I'm trying not to be repetitive. I really don't know what the fuck I said a year ago about it, but I'm sure that's also very helpful as well. If you wanted to go back and listen to that, I might go a little bit more in depth, but thank you so, so much for listening. I'm so grateful for each and every one of you, and I will talk to you soon.